Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I am really excited to share the guest with you today. I have Marissa Lawton with me. So Marissa had reached out probably about a month ago. Um, She wanted to know if we could just sit down and and touch base um, about a few things. And I was really excited because I wanted to be able to bring her to you guys. So I hope that you enjoy um, our conversation and just can really hear the encouragement throughout it. And really, um, it's women supporting women. And ultimately, that's what I'm all about. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Marissa, can you give the listeners an idea of who you are and kind of what we're doing today? Absolutely. So I'm Marissa Lawton. Um, I am a licensed counselor, even though I'm not practicing clinically now. Um, So I think that's still a big, important part of who I am. But what I do is I help therapists who um, have, you know, foolish practices and are ready for their next step. Mm -hmm. So, um, my specialty is online income, meaning, you know, courses, coaching, uh, membership sites, that kind of stuff. But I'm also dabbling in some other alternative, uh, income streams and things like that as well. So that's what I help people do. That's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed, I know I shared this with you earlier, I took a look at your website and I just really love some of the language that you use, especially when you um, talk about, you know, empathy and success do not have to be mutually exclusive. I really loved that and that you can show up for your clients and for your business. I think that's such yeah. a, great, a great perspective. Yeah, I think as clinicians, we sometimes get the message or we internalize the message that um, we're helpers and we're healers right. or we're, you know, change agents or whatever. But with that can come shame when we start thinking about our goals and our dreams and our business aspirations. Um, So one of my main messages is that those two things can go hand in hand and they don't have to be separate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I used to always say that um, as a social worker, you know, social workers are really great at advocating for other people. But when it comes to advocating for ourselves, especially on that financial front, that's where people get really uncomfortable. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. In fact, in my work with you know, I'm a counselor, so I'm mm-hmm. counselor trained. But um, in my work with psychologists, um, MFTs, counselors, and social workers, yep. I, it is that social workers are the ones that have the biggest mindset shift around this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely believe that. So I'm really excited to hear like what all you're doing and and where everything is. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, do you have some things that you that you want to make sure we touch base on today? Um. Yeah, I was just wanting to. Um, pick your brain a little bit about your journey through therapeutic, like therapy and one-on-one work, and then what you're doing now with this podcast. Uh, And then whatever questions you have for me as far as online income, or um, one thing that I like to talk about a lot is how we we do blend these two ideas of, um, you know, the how it's not mutually exclusive and how we can take our clinical experience and turn that into something impactful and profitable. So whatever you want to know too, we can just have a pick each other's brain session. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. That sounds good. I always tell people when I meet for the podcast, I'm like, just act like we're like, when we're literally sitting down because we're actually doing this on Zoom so we can actually see each other, but typically I can't. So I'm always like, hey, just act like we're sitting down at your kitchen table. We're just having a conversation. Exactly. So that's perfect. Yeah. 
So my biggest question, um, and I'm so always so curious about this, is how did you know you wanted something more than a therapy practice? And part B, how did you know you were ready? Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so it's, you know, it's kind of hard for me to say because I've always had Okay, I'll take you back a little bit. Some of the listeners have heard this already, but they'll hear it again. It's no big deal. (laughs) So my whole entire life, my dad has owned his own business, even prior Mm -hmm. to when I was born. And so that's just always been a part of our family. And when I look back, even at grandparents, -grandparents, um, great-grandparents, there was always farming or uh, my grandparents ran an orchard. Um, You know, my dad farmed and now he has a construction business. And so that's always just been a part of our, our lives, essentially. So I think Mm -hmm. I kind of just knew from the get-go that I would be a business owner in some way. I just didn't necessarily know my avenue um, until I became a social worker and then really became interested in the therapy aspect of things. And so at Mm -hmm. that point, um, I had decided, I always said, like, someday I would love to do private practice. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you put it out into the universe, like, someday maybe I want to do this. Um, So my husband and I moved to North Dakota about five, six years ago, um, and I got an opportunity. A coworker had given my name to someone who was starting a program here in North Dakota across the state wanting to provide more mental health services. And so I was able to um, start with that part-time. And then able to work to um, full time. And it was just kind of wild because I always thought, well, maybe like 20 years into my career, you know, like when I really, (laughs) when I really have, you know, some age and some wisdom and everything. Um, But it just happened how it did. And it was remarkable. So at that point, especially after I went full time, I knew that this this wasn't the end for like, this wasn't my end game. If that, I feel like the Avengers, this isn't my Avengers end game. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is not, this is not my end game. Like I want to be able to do other things as well. And yeah. um, especially throughout probably the past couple of years, you know, I've just had this thing on my heart of being able to con- connect people um, mm-hmm. and just be able to encourage people in a different way. I love the therapy role, but I also like this, just like sitting down Mm -hmm. one-on-one having a conversation. And that's different to me um, than a therapeutic relationship. Yes. And and so I thought, you know, it'd be really great to be able to do the therapy and and, um, also do something else. I love podcasts. I love audiobooks, um, all of that good stuff. I uh, realized, I did not realize when I was in high school and junior high and such, but I realized, especially in college and afterwards, that um, the reason I had so much difficulty in school is because I have like no reading comprehension. Um, I potentially Mm -hmm. think I might be dyslexic, but I've never had testing, so I don't like to like you know, say that for sure. But I really think I might be and would love to get tested someday. And so, um, but when I started listening to audiobooks, a friend recommended that. And it's just like, I couldn't absorb enough information. I just wanted to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn about myself. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm so thankful for her to this day that she just threw that out there to me. And so um, as I read and as I learned and as I grew um, myself and just really took a hard look at some things that I even as a therapist had been avoiding, um, that just opened up this whole new world to me. And so Kelly and the Encouragers was um, developed with a friend of mine. Um, Do you know who Angie Andrews is? Are you familiar with him? I don't. He's an author. Oh, he's so fantastic. He's a really great author. Um, And he writes several different books. But one of his books, The Noticer, he talks about how he just notices and picks up on things that other people don't. Mm -hmm. And so like for a few years, I would like try to throw out different words here and there. Like, does that fit me? Does that fit me? And it really didn't. And one day she just said to me, you're an encourager. And I thought, oh, there it is. 
There wow. <laughs> and so, um, That's so cool. thanks. Yeah. So I decided I need to do something with it and started the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm hopeful my goal with it would be to be able to travel and train people on how to be encouragers, especially if it's not something that you feel like naturally you have. I mean, it takes practice and it takes work in ourselves. So, mm-hmm. so. yeah, that was so good. I'm like still processing. Wow. <laughs> that was such a thoughtful and complete answer and, and just really wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So Yeah. So it sounds like entrepreneurship was something that's almost in your blood a little oh, bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did that prepare you for stepping out on your own? Um, what kind of challenges did you face that maybe you didn't expect because you'd already seen successful businesses be run in your family? Sure. You know, I think, um, that is one area I'm extremely blessed on, um, because my dad and mom, they didn't necessarily hide things from us. So, you know, the housing market goes up and down. So people are building houses, they're building barns, they're building this, they're building that. And then all of a sudden it just tanks. And so, although my dad's business is successful, I have seen some of those, um, Mm -hmm. not so great moments. And so being able to know that, ultimately you can get through those and that you don't have to close up shop for the most part. There are times when you might have to, but you don't have to close up shop and you can get through those if you have that um, drive and that mentality that you'll really do what it takes in a healthy, of course, way. But um, I think that was really beneficial for me. So there wasn't much that I was surprised about, especially on like the financial aspect of things. Um, Mm -hmm. And networking, I, that's, I was um, telling one of my friends the other day, I feel like that is a strength as well, because with my with my dad and family running businesses, that connection with people has been something that just has mm-hmm. kind of continued through the generations. Um, and so that portion of things like the networking face to face is, is, you know, not challenging for me. Um, what has been interesting for me, I would say, would be so I have this idea, you know, of of building, and I am doing it, but of building the encouragers community. But for me, what's been the most challenging is how to continue to build this and help people understand that this is a piece of my business, but is not the therapy portion of my business. You know, I've had a lot of people say to me, um, oh, so you do like, you have all these different businesses. It's like, no, it's kind of, I said the other day, I'm like, it's kind of like Target. Like you walk in and there's like different departments, you know, that's kind of how I view my business. Um, But I think trying to help people see that, you know, even like presenting about encouragement, of course, some of that therapy, you know, portion of things is going to play. And I mean, that's my, I live that, I breathe that, you know, that's a part of me. So that's going to play a part, but that's not solely what it is. Um, And so I think that's kind of one of the things that I've been struggling the most with is just how to, how to be really clear about what I'm hoping to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would you say your end goal would be? Um, My end goal would be truly to be able to, um, I'm just going to throw it out there, to be able to change as many lives as possible and help other people to change lives. And so that's the ultimate like baseline of, I feel like anything I do in life, even in personal relationships, like I just want to be able to change my own life and change other people's lives, you know, help in whatever way possible. And so um, ultimately, I think it would be great to be able to train people and then have them go out into their community. So I would like to be able to travel and do that. But what I actually want is to then... um, have people who then go out and train elsewhere as well so that's that's the hope it's it's just like two people who i i can come that like come to mind who do this really well are Brene brown and dave ramsey oh yeah so think about dave yeah 
Yeah. So Brene Brown has the Daring Way and several other programs. So she developed that curriculum, but she teaches and trains Daring Way facilitators who right. then take that program to that commu- their community. And Dave Ramsey does the same thing with, you know, financial peace or whatever. Yeah. He, he has built the curriculum, but then he trains people to be able to teach that. Um, a lot of clergy, a lot of other people who just even financial planners and stuff will yeah. take these programs from him and then go and tra- uh, <laughs> teach or facilitate those in the community. So that's a model that's done really well. And I can yeah. totally see that being something that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No, um, you're right. I hadn't, I mean, Brene Brown, I definitely follow what she does. I just really enjoy her work and what she who does. Doesn't? I mean, she's just <laughs> badass. Like, let's just admit it. Yeah. Like she just, she is who she is. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, but I hadn't thought about Dave Ramsey, but that that's very accurate. That's very true for him. You're right. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Not in our field where I think the reason a lot of us default to Brene is because she came from our field. Right. Um, but what's great about it is that it's a business model that works in our field and out of our field too. So yeah. being able to see other people like Dave Ramsey do it, it's just more validation that it works. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good way to look at it for sure. Cool. So what has been the biggest surprise for you as you've been kind of stepping out in this entrepreneur role and taking yeah. up more space and, you know, staking a claim in your opinions? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the biggest surprises, um, and and I always am really careful when I say this, but so I'm going to give it a little disclaimer first. Life is not perfect. I just want to be really clear. Literally, we're redoing our entryway to our house right now. It rained in there this morning. I stepped oh. down my steps and stepped in rain. I mean, it's not, oh, you know, no. life is not perfect. That's but, terrible. But the thing of it is, I truly did not know that life could be this good. And mm-hmm. when you find something that you love so much, um, I mean, is it work? Absolutely. I work, I know for a fact, I work harder now than I, when I worked with an agency, for sure. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing what you love, there's there's like a different motivating factor and being able um, to have some flexibility in whether I'm working or I'm with my family or um, sometimes ends up being both, but most of the time I try to separate that. You know, having that freedom and then being able to come to work and really feel so much value in my day has just been like monumental. So that's probably mm-hmm. been the biggest surprise um, for me. Another portion of it is um, more recently, I've really been focusing on um, being seen. Uh, that is uh, something that I was struggling mm-hmm. with. Like I just, mm-hmm. I want to be able to do this, but I, I've always been like this. I just want to do it from like the background. Like, you you know, you do this, you get the credit for things. I'm just going to be back here doing things, but I don't really want like much attention for it. You know, (laughs) that's well, (laughs) that makes sense too for the business model that you're thinking of too. Like I'll develop this curriculum and then I'll train a bunch of facilitators and they can go take it out in the marketplace for me. So it's interesting where some of these things show up. That's true. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. That's a very, very valid point. And so I think that's something that, um, yeah, definitely. I've been trying to work through lately and feel like I'm getting a better grasp at just really, um, I mean, really accepting who I am and what I bring to the table um, Mm -hmm. and being really good and confident about that. Yeah. And if I can be so bold, like that's something that never changes and never goes away Mm -hmm. because the more visible you, you are, the more like fans you have, Mm -hmm. that sounds kind of crass, but the more fans you get, (laughs) But also the more haters you get. Mm -hmm, And that's stuff that they say is like, you know, you've arrived when you get your first haters. And it's like the the most painful thing. But it's also like, it means that you're um, 
thought leadership, your opinions are starting to take up root in the world. And there's people who are going to like bloom with them. And then there's people who are going to try and chop down your tree, right? Right. With with every way they can. Um, That was the most mixed metaphors I think I've ever used in my life. (laughs) I love (laughs) that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, um, so I don't think no matter, no matter what stage you're on or what, what, um, how comfortable you are putting yourself out there, there's a new battle at every, every time you up level, it's like a new thing and then you get more visible and then it's a new thing. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's why I, a lot of times, like I will follow people um, on Instagram or just really watch people's journeys. I just really um, value and appreciate their work because I think that having somebody say to you that is in a much different if we want to call it levels or whatever we want to call it, but much different area in their life yeah. than you are being able to yeah. um, hear from them. Hey, you're probably going to get some, neg- not probably, you are going to get negativity. Here's how I handle it. As you yeah. continue along, as you get that, you know, here's maybe some recommendations of how you can choose to handle it or not handle it however you mm-hmm. want. And so um, I think that gives people a little bit better of an understanding too, like as things continue to shift and move, like what that might look like. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. Is there anything earlier on or even at this level that like you wish that you had had a help with like somebody you would have either either hired out like in a delegating kind of way or sure. even hired out in a coaching kind of way or in a guidance kind of way that you know, in hindsight, ooh, I should have got help there or whatever. Sure. You know, I think um, at this point, at least, I don't know that I was really in a place to even have time to think about what I would have wanted back then, to be honest, because I was like, I'm just building at this point. But now I was telling my husband the other day what I really think would be helpful would be to have somebody who can take the content that I'm making and make it pretty. That's what I really need. You know, I need somebody yeah. to take it and make mm-hmm. it pretty. Um, that was my first hire yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I can play around in design programs and I can eventually arrive at something that's pretty. Yes. But it takes me way freaking longer right. than it would take somebody who's a professional. Um, and then I'm always doubting. I'm like, <laughs> Speaking of Brene, my inner critic comes up and they're like, that's not right. That's ugly. That's that. that you need right. to move that over here. And so that was the first hire I made was freaking, why not have somebody who does this for a living yeah. do this for me? Absolutely. Well, that's what, you know, I've told some um, colleagues and such too, when we talk about things with their business, I'm like, but here's the thing, like, could I do some of the stuff that I do hire out? Absolutely. But is Mm -hmm. that worth it to me? And is that really like lighting the fire in me or am I dreading that? Because if I'm dreading Mm -hmm. that, that's a sign to me that that's a part I don't like and someone else is better suited to do that anyway. Yep. Yeah. And it's always, uh, I mean, as you're venturing into entrepreneurship, it's always a time versus money relationship. Yes. And in the beginning, your currency is often your time Mm -hmm. because your business isn't yet maybe turning a profit or isn't bringing in as much revenue as you need it to. So you're willing to spend more time on things. Right. But I think that's a quick decision point that needs to be made earlier on than I think most people are ready to make it or even start to think about it is starting to spend some of the the money, treating your money like currency instead of your time like currency. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You know, I think um, 
I think it was maybe Rachel Hollis. I'm not 100 percent sure, but she talked. She's talked about hiring for the um the company that you want, essentially, rather mm-hmm. than the company that you have now, which looks very very different. Knowing, of course, that sometimes I mean finances is just not feasible. But um when you're at a point when you're able to do that and you know where you're going and what you need, I think that's a really good place to be able to be at. Yeah, I really like that. I think forward and future thinking um, have a place in entrepreneurship because, um, knowing where you want to go helps you make the decisions. You know, I always reverse engineer or backwards plan. So if my goal for, uh, the year is this amount of revenue, what do I need? How can I backwards plan from that to get that goal? Um, or, you know, just like that, like if, if you know that you want a big company, then how, what, what's the first step to getting to that, that big company? Right. I like to say a caveat with this is just because kind of the norm or the trend, and especially like for therapy is to have like maybe a big group practice or something like sure. that. There's nothing <coughs> wrong with staying as a solo therapist. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like your business can look exactly how you want it to look. Right. Um, and you don't need to follow anybody else's advice of what a what a successful practice is or even what a successful business beyond therapy is. Um, so I just like to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important for people to know that. You know, I was talking to um, a friend of mine the other day and we were just talking about how sometimes your perspective of somebody else's um, it could be a job, employment, whatever that may be. Maybe that, you know, maybe, oh, they kind of got the short end of the stick or that, you know, they aren't able to do this or that, but maybe that's just what they love. And maybe they actually have it better than we realize in that moment. Right. <laughs> you know? And so that's why I think it's important not to, like you say, not to follow what other people are telling you that you need to do or, um, or to buy into anyone else's opinion, really. I mean, at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you have to be, I always tell people, I have to be okay with how I live my life and how I live my business. And that's really yeah. cool. Well, it kind of goes back to what you said. And I'm going to throw out one of the oldest cliches in the book. But like, if you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yep. And I think it's true that a lot of entrepreneurs trade in 40-hour work weeks for 80 or 90-hour work weeks. But that passion and that fire and that love makes it so those 80 and 90 hours are worth it. Right. Absolutely. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have any more specific questions on my end. (laughs) No, that's great. Good. So not good, but I'm really excited to ask you. I'm so I'm so curious about like everything that you do. So um, if you don't mind, I'll ask you a few things. Yeah, you just fire away. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So can you I know you, you know, shared a little bit um, about your business earlier, but I'm really curious how you got your start in this and like what made you decide that you wanted to take the leap from therapist? I don't know if it's really a, a leap, but a stretch. I don't know what you want to consider it, but yeah. you took that next step. Um, yeah. So it's funny because over on my podcast, this is the episode that just went live today was kind of like my therapeutic journey or not my, my entrepreneurship journey oh, of cool. like how exactly I got here. Yeah. And I won't, I won't share as long of a story as I did over there, but, um, I started in business school. Um, I went to a top 20 business school. There were only three women in my major, um, out of everybody, everybody else was, you know, male. Um, so it was kind of a cutthroat business program. Um, and you know, I thought I was going to wall street and all this stuff. And just like you mentioned the housing market, Uh my, um, freshman year of college of undergrad, 
our professors were saying, you're going to make 250K right out of school, all this stuff. And then my junior year, like when I was starting to interview for jobs, Lehman Brothers went out of business and Goldman Sachs and all these, oh, like goodness. where I was supposed to go work, right? they, they just <coughs> didn't exist. Like one day they were there and the next day they were gone. Oh, so um, that really rocked my world. Um, and so adding on to this, my husband is actually active duty in the army. Oh, okay. So um, I moved from Phoenix to the middle of nowhere, Alaska. Oh, uh-huh. So it was like not only like the biggest temperature change I think I could have experienced right, staying right. in the same country. It was also like the fifth biggest city to like a bush community in Alaska. Oh yeah, there there was no bank, <laughs> let alone no. You know, there was no bank, let alone uh, some investment firm. Right. right? So right. it was my quarter life crisis. Yeah. I was like, what? Everything I've been working for. And again, that cutthroat achievement kind of um, environment was was gone. Yeah. Like because of the economy and then because of where I lived, like it was just gone. Um, So I actually was seeing um, Facebook posts. This was before there were even really Facebook ads, um, but Facebook posts from a life coach school. And I was like, that sounds really awesome. But inner critic coming back up, uh-huh. who would ever hire a 20 something year old life coach? Like I have, I have to be wise and experienced uh-huh. and all of this stuff. Like you were mentioning yep, earlier yep. before I could ever be a life coach. Yep, I would say sounds really familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like you, my father uh, was an entrepreneur and I knew from a really young age that I was gonna own my own business in some way that's why I studied business in the first place thinking I needed to work my way up some corporate ladder and get all the experience before I could ever open something of my own um and so it was funny because right after I was seeing these posts for life coaching um I was seeing posts for the MSW program at USC because uh, they have an uh-huh. online program for military spouses. That's not where I ended up getting my master's, but that was what opened the door for me to start um, looking at therapy. Because yeah. I was like, oh, well, someone's going to hire a therapist way before they hire a life coach. Remember, this was like a decade ago. So uh-huh. coaching was <laughs> right. nothing like right. it is now. Right. Um, I was like, oh, well, someone will go to a therapist before they go to a life coach. And there's therapists and that own their own businesses all the time in private practice, uh-huh. right? Yep. So I came at the field much different than most people. Most people are like had an experience when they were young or had a trauma or had their own therapist or whatever. And yeah. they, that's how they came to the field. That's not my story. Sure. Um, yeah. And I used to actually hide that and be really ashamed of that. I kind of buried all of my business background and um, because I didn't think that it was made me relatable to oh, other therapists. Um, and so like you were saying, kind of taking up space and being visible. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest lessons I learned was if I'm going to take up this space, I need to do it authentically. Hey guys, totally interrupting here. My apologies, but I wanted to let you know about our weekly newsletter. I'm not sure if you've seen me post about it or not, but it is a weekly newsletter from yours truly on the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. Get a more intimate look at how I view life, how I am able to find people to be on the podcast, and even be able to take part in who should be on the podcast. 
This community is for you. I want you, the encouragers, to be able to go out into the world and spread goodness. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Just go over to my website, www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, and you will be able to sign up for the newsletter there. Now back to the show. And so I, you know, I started sharing these stories of, you know, I didn't come to therapy the way most people do and that kind of stuff. So again, the military comes into play here because we moved to Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, we had to do fertility treatment to have our first daughter. And then my daughter was born with a whole host of health concerns. Luckily she's four and a half now and nothing is really a concern at all. But when she was an infant, like we didn't know if she was going to be independently functional at one point. So it was like my world fell apart. And so that's when I left my agency because I just needed to be with her. Right. Um, and then here is kind of like my first taste of when I started the entrepreneurship is, um, I had been working with a birth center, all my breastfeeding education, my birth education, doulas, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just like kind of marched right in there with my baby in my arms and said, you guys need a mental health professional on staff. Here's what I cost. Here's what I want to offer. I want to do pregnancy groups. I want to do postpartum groups and this and that. And I think you need this. Cool. So I kind of like went right up to their business and said, "That's awesome. You're you need this. You're doing a disservice to your to yeah. your audience or to your customers at that point um, because there's a a need here and you could be filling it and I'm going to fill it for you. That's awesome. So yeah. And oh, and by the way, I'm bringing my newborn with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did some of my best work that year. I did. Yeah. I mean. It was just transformational for them, especially because some of the moms that were there also knew that their babies were going to be born a little bit differently or whatever. And so to see my daughter, you know, um, overcome anything that she was born with and and just be a normal, happy infant and laugh and crawl and as she learned to walk there and everything, you know, it was really impactful for those moms. And so I was doing like therapy, but I was also kind of doing some coaching there too, because the nature, the fact that my daughter was there and um, the work just looked a little bit different than traditional therapy work. Um, And so from there, I was like, I got to do this online. Yeah. Uh, I've I've helped these 15, 20 women over the course of 12 months, and it has been like life-changing for all of us. Yeah there's a way to do this for more people. Yeah. Um, and so it, tons of ups and downs from there. I fast forward, I get pregnant again. And this time I get HG, uh, which if people don't know what that is, it means you can't stop puking. Oh, like it's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not morning sickness. It's like, you know, way to a, a, a totally another level. Yeah. Um, and so I stopped doing the mom coaching online. And in that, that time during my pregnancy and when she was a newborn, is when I realized I really missed therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, how can I do what I was doing for therapists kind of? Yeah. Because I knew the military was going to move us. There was no point in me trying to worry about license reciprocity and all that stuff that comes up for military spouses. Yeah. So I knew I would stay with coaching, but I knew I wanted to, to go back to the therapy industry. And that's how I got here. That is so cool. I love so many things that you said. And I love the fact that you just like marched in there. And you're like, you know what? This is what you need. And here I am. I'm yeah. here to solve your problem. I love that. That's really awesome. Yeah. It was bold action. But at the, I mean, part of it was probably spurred by my postpartum depression where I was like, 
if I don't make a change in my life, like this is, I'm not, I'm not okay. Right. And, And a lot of that was brought on by the concerns that Sawyer had, but um, I don't know if I would have necessarily handled it if I had been, you know, normal or wh- whatever, whatever you want to call it. If I had not been under the stress and, and, and in the emotional capacity that I was then, I probably would have done it a little differently, but it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. And I honestly think that that's a fantastic way to have handled that regardless of why it is that you did that. I think yeah. that's great that you saw a need and advocated yes. for that. And that seems to be kind of a theme throughout, would you say, throughout yeah. your business and such and life just in general. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's identifying a need and it's realizing that you can fill that need in a unique way. Yep. Um, And I think, you know, this is a little bit of my soapbox going back to that empathy and success thing, but I think that no one, no one is more primed to know what humankind needs right now than a therapist, than the person who sits with people who are suffering and struggling every single day. Like you have a bead on the market and an insight that people who go to Harvard business school are jealous of, you know? Yep. And so I think therapists are perfectly primed to be able to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what I love too is when people are willing to hear what people are wanting and then fill that need. But I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that can be really scary um, for business owners, especially to think, well, this is the direction I was going and now I need to, you know, change or move or whatever that may be or add something. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that's where some of the best ideas come from is from people just telling you what they're looking for and you filling it. Yeah. 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 I think, I think you had the nail on the head because so many people are like, well, how would I even figure out an idea? And how would I even do this? And I say, you ask them. Yeah. Right. Ask. (laughs) Just ask. Ask for the information you need. Um, People are more than happy to share. Like you've talked already about like connection is so lacking. Yeah. So if people feel like they're valued and and heard and and understood and and held, which is again, what we do all the time, uh, they're more than happy to share what they're looking for. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Well, and I think too, like being able to, especially now um, with like, of course, every time someone says encouraging, I'm like noticing it now, which I never did before, but it almost yeah. seems like once you start. It's like when you buy, yes. it's like when you buy the white car, yes. all you see is white cars everywhere. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. Totally. Or you name your child, you're like, oh, I don't know anyone with this name. And then it's like the next day everywhere. there's like, yep, 20 different kids, you know, with that name. Yeah. yeah. So it's absolutely like that. But what, you know, what's really interesting is, um, I, I really do believe that the, my therapy role has been able to help me see truly the benefit of literally just one person encouraging somebody. I, I mean, not to say that I'm out there like, you know, saving the world by that, but I do think that like one, just one quick sentence of encouragement really does have the ability mm-hmm. to change someone's life. And so I think it's mm-hmm. cool that to be able to see that on a daily basis, which probably truly keeps me motivated to do what I do because I'm able to mm-hmm. see that benefit of it. Well, and I think that that's something that therapists do a lot. I, I, I think it's one of the, I won't say limiting factors. I think it's just inherent in our profession that we downplay what we do a lot because we were, we're taught in our training, we're not the one on stage, right? Yeah. Our client is the one on stage. We are not, it's their work. We're, yeah. we're a facilitator of their work or whatever. Um, but that's one question I ask people that I work with a lot. I say, what is something that um, 
if a client has a really great session with you, what are they taking into the world? Um, I liken this to, you know, a smile is contagious Yeah, yeah because yeah. if they leave your office smiling and say they pass, you know, somebody in the parking lot and that the person catches their smile and they walk into the, gro- the grocery yeah. store and they pass that smile on to the cashier who was having a terrible day, pretty soon your whole neighborhood could be smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. a little facetious of an no. example, yeah. but... There, the work that you do can impact every system. It mm-hmm. can impact your, your client's immediate system, but the people in that immediate system go to work and go to school and whatever. And if they're all healthier and happier, what does it do for that? And what does that do? So I think that, I don't know, I'm on a little bit of a soapbox here, but I, I wish therapists would own a little bit more of what they do and how powerful yeah. and impactful it is. Absolutely. You know, I think you're right though. I think we are taught very much that we're kind of like, um, we're in the back seat and the person's mm-hmm. driving, you know, and we're just yes. giving directions every now and again as needed. Um, but I, I do, it's so funny because even as I said that earlier, I was like, yeah, I said, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but something to the effect of not that I'm out there like, you know, saving the world, but, but I will say that I often tell people, I tell clients all the time, you don't know the impact that you can have, you know, and we Mm -hmm. truly don't know the impact that we can have. And so if I'm expecting other people not to downplay the impact they're having, then truthfully, I need to not be down downplaying as well. I think that sometimes it feels, especially the profession that we're in, it just feels kind of braggy to to say things like that. And there's like this fine line between being um, accepting of the role that we have and being braggy. And so I think I always like teeter totter on that because I don't ever want to seem like, um, right, you know, so. Right. And I think, I think we quickly equate, um, Talking about what we do, mm-hmm. talking about the results we help people have, I think we quickly equate that with arrogance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a fine line because a lot of times when I say this, people like it's therapists start to get their back up. They're like, wait a minute, you know, uh, I'm talking about Carl Rogers here and I'm talking about, you know, person-centered stuff and, and it's all about the client and all that. And I'm, I'm not trying to like refute those foundational elements of our profession, but I do think that times are changing and I yeah. do think that you can, you can have a big idea. It's okay to have a big idea and it's even more okay to share it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be this blank slate and you don't have to be, you know, the man behind the screen anymore. Right. Um, the people who are seeking therapy are, are seeking people who are more human. Yes. Who are more relatable, who are willing to self-disclose at the appropriate times and stuff like that, you know? And so it's just a big shift that's coming and you can build that into your therapy practice and or and or you can build it into a business beyond therapy yeah um but i don't want therapists to feel like they have to hide anymore yeah absolutely I love that. I love that so much because I think that is something that our profession's been doing for quite some time is just mm-hmm. um just really hiding and not not kind of owning some of that you know I think too when I first started the podcast I was a little worried about like you know what I would share and how it would be perceived and I definitely don't promote the podcast to clients because I don't feel like that would be okay but they do know that I mean as you can see I have my audio equipment in my office right now and so people will ask me (coughs) excuse me and um 
you know, I'll explain what it is and, of course, reassure them that it's not on. We're not, I'm not recording by any means. But um, so we'll have a conversation um, about that. But I had worried a little bit, you know, like, how do I because we're taught so much not to share about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I just kind of realized, OK, I am going to share like I'm going to share really whatever I feel like needs to be shared. And I'm going to keep this mindset that if I would be OK with the client bringing it up in session, then I'm going to mm-hmm. share it. And if I'm not, then I'm just not going to share it on the podcast. Right on. And that's been really right helpful on. for me, um, you know, navigating through the podcast and also through just therapy in general. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to share something that I wouldn't feel comfortable with them bringing up again. So why in that moment would I, you know, share that? But I do yeah. think that quite honestly, I think that um, success that I've had, it has truly been the ability to make connection. And I tell business Mm -hmm. owners all the time, I don't care if you're a therapist or who you are, that ability to make connections with people and to authentically care about people is really going to make or break someone. I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I love that. And I completely agree because you actually said what it is that I kind of help my clients come to the realization because I feel like as we're venturing into private practice or beyond whatever that is, um, there's two main things, two main ethical concerns that we come up on. Mm -hmm. We come up against Mm self-disclosure, which we've already talked about. And we come up against dual relationships. Um, what if my client buys my book Mm -hmm. or whatever? Right. And that's what I, I say is if that client buys your book, And they come to you the next day in session and say, I bought your book. Mm -hmm. How are you going to process that? And are you prepared for that? Do you have a script for that? How would that feel for you? All of that stuff. And I think once they work through that, then they are ready, not not ready, but then they feel more prepared or feel more um, excited about moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think the thing with dual relationships is just realistically, I live in a rural community. And mm-hmm. um, it's probably not quite as rural as your Alaskan community, but it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty rural. <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I think the thing that's really hard around here is that um, it's unrealistic to never have dual relationships in the aspect of um, certainly not encouraging them. But it's very possible right. that, um, you know, if I go to the grocery store, the only cashier that may be there may be a client. I mean, that's just one example. Mm-hmm. I don't have any clients that work there, but you know what I mean? Just an example yeah. of um, how that, how that can happen. And um, that's why I think it's really important to have some like open, honest, um, you know, uh, conversations about that with clients of, mm-hmm. you know, you may see me in the community and whatever, you know, however you want to approach me is fine. And we have this, I have this talk about how, you know, even if you say hello to me like 10 times, the 11th time, I'm still not going to say hi until you say hi first. Cause I want to, re- you know, protect your privacy. So that's how I handle it. Like on the face-to-face avenue of things. But on the flip mm-hmm. side of things, especially with the podcast, again, I just feel like as long as you're not promoting it to your clients, like you're mm-hmm. not saying I'm doing this and I want you to buy my book. I mean, that's shady to me like to, right. <laughs> to be encouraging people in session. Hey, you should really buy my book. But um, if a client is going to find that or is going to hear exactly. about that and they decide on their own to purchase that, I think that's absolutely acceptable because mm-hmm. you're not going to, what are you going to tell them? Like, I'm sorry, you can't buy my book. I mean, they right. have that choice. That's their choice. Yeah. The way that I, the example that I use is in, in undergrad and I don't know if, if um, you experienced this, but a lot of times in undergrad, my professors would go and write a textbook and then that would be the required textbook for yeah. the course, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So they'd be like, they'd be making money on both ends. Yes. That's what we cannot do, Yeah. right? Yeah. We can't write a book and say, well, the only way you're going to be able to take our work in session to the next level 
and to really have the healing that you're looking for is to buy my book, right? right? right. That's absolutely unacceptable, unethical, yeah. lose your license. Yeah. But if you have a book and you have a page on your website that happens to say resources and your book is on there and some other like Gottman stuff is on there or Sue Johnson right. or Brene Brown, whatever, yeah. and your book is on that resource and a client just happens to buy it, that is no, like, that's no responsibility of yours. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's something that they've so, made. They made themselves for sure. That choice that they made. I think that's really great. So yeah. I did notice too on your website, um, it seems like, and maybe I'm wrong with this, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems yeah, like your focus is female therapists and like f- female entrepreneurs. Is that is that true? Sort of. Okay. It's so funny. Like, this is one of the things that I teach about marketing is I very, I have a very, very clear niche. Yeah. Um, like you said, when you go on my website, I say, Hey girl, and this kind of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I have worked with non-binary, uh, you know, non-hetero. I've worked with um lots of men. Yeah. And so when you're marketing and when you niche down, it'll it's like dropping a pebble into a pond, mm-hmm. right? Your marketing is so pinpoint and so specific that it makes it a easier for you to create marketing messages yeah. because you're talking to one specific person. Um, and that one person is going to feel very heard, validated, seen all the yeah. stuff we've been yeah. talking about. But you know that when you drop that pebble in, there are ripples that come out yeah. from, from where the pebble hits the water. And so the, that the way I talk about this in marketing is your niche or your ideal client might be where that pebble hits, but as it ripples out, there are still people who are going to be, um, who are going to resonate with your marketing message. Yeah, absolutely. So just because you niche to, or market to one specific ideal type of customer or client does not mean that there are not tons and tons of other people who are going to see value in what you do and want to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. That's so, a fantastic way to look at that. Cause sometimes I think people yeah. do get a little concerned about getting that, um, that specific about who they want, you know, would like to work with and, and such. Yeah. But I think that makes a lot of sense though. Yeah. So I grew up with a single mom. I'm very feminist. I'm lucky to be married to a very feminist husband uh-huh. and we have two daughters. So um, I do really want to empower the female entrepreneur and let her know that she deserves oh, no, um, a seat out. at so the sorry. table. Just, that's okay. Did it stop? I, um, okay. Hang on one second. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll, I'll start from the beginning okay, of the thought good. so and the we'll editor just, can. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So I was raised by a single mom. I'm very pro-feminist. I'm lucky to be married to a very feminist husband and we have two daughters. Um, So it's really important to me for, to empower female entrepreneurs uh, and to let their, let her know that she deserves a seat at the table with all of these quote unquote high powered men or, you know, high income earners who happen to be men. It harkens me back to my undergrad degree when there was me and two other girls in in my business program and everybody else was men. Um, so that is important to me, but that doesn't mean that I won't work, like I said, with someone who's non-binary, somebody yeah. who's non-hetero, somebody who's male, somebody who's whatever. I, I'm not discriminatory, but um, I do have a niche marketing strategy. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And I think that your website does speak very well to that. So that's really great. 
You know, I'm wondering, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, can I ask you a few questions that I ask every guest? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So you're very familiar (laughs) with Brene Brown then, so I don't have to go into who she is and all of that. Um, Have you read her book, The Braving the Wilderness? Did you read, have you read that one? I haven't read that one. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. So um, in there, this is my summary, not hers. Hers is much um, more eloquent and definitely much more (laughs) in depth. But basic summary of it is that she has this concept of walking into the wilderness alone, um, but throughout those hard moments, really finding yourself and then also finding other people that have taken that step into the wilderness by themselves. And so I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can think about a time in your life when you've stepped into the wilderness. I think that's happening for me right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually. Um, and I think it comes off of this um, piggybacks really nicely off the topic we were just on is I've always been in my masculine energy mm-hmm. um, for my whole life. Like again, co- growing up with that single mom and I've just always been a doer, always been an achiever, always been a pusher, go, go, go. Yeah. Um, and something that I'm wanting to do more of is to embrace a little bit of my more feminine energy and start moving from being a doer so much to more of a beer, like uh-huh. in being in being. Yeah. Um, and that is completely foreign for me. Sure. Um, completely different than I've, from the time I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something that is, is kind of a stretch really cool. for me. And I, I do feel uh, when you say walking into the wilderness alone, I have a few really key support people in my life that are, uh, that understand this, that understand the shift that I'm trying to do. Um, one who's a coach and one who's a colleague. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly I really recognize this as work I have to do by myself. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what comes up for me. Yeah, I love that. And you know what I think is really interesting too um, is sometimes that work that we have to do by ourselves is the thing that we leave to the last because we're like, eh, you know, <laughs> well, it's much easier, maybe not even easier, but um, we're able to tolerate some of the stuff that we can do with other people a little bit easier. But when it comes down to some of that really hard, like nitty gritty stuff that we have to work mm-hmm. through ourselves, that can be pretty challenging mm-hmm. for sure. So. Especially when we're therapists. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. we're like, we we see everybody else's shadow, but do we want to see our own shadow yeah. side? I don't know about that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We know it's there, yeah. but it doesn't mean we want to look at it. Right. Right. Exactly. I often tell clients that even therapists have therapists because I think that yeah. it's really important for us to be able to work through our stuff. And it's it's not easy for anyone regardless of mm-hmm. what our profession is or anything. It's, you know, it's definitely a challenge, but um, it's just so freeing when we're able to work through some of that. So I think that's really yeah. cool that you have that insight and that you're going to do that work. So thank you for sharing that. I'm working on it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's really awesome. So the next thing is, and you kind of, um, you know, hit a few of these, but can you tell me who sticks out in your mind as like your biggest encouragers? It doesn't have to be, j- I used to ask like, who's your biggest encourager, but that's a lot of pressure just to pick one person. <laughs> so if yeah. you have a few people, it can be about this topic or just life in general that have encouraged you along the way, who would you say they are? Yeah, I think um, two of my biggest encouragers right now are those people that I just mentioned. So Megan Hale, um, she runs a business called Wild and Holy, uh, and she's actually a uh, retired therapist herself who's moved fully into coaching. Um, And she is the person who I've recently went to one of her retreats. I'll be joining her mastermind this later this year. She really blends personal growth and business growth. 
Oh, I um, and so she is, she is the person who is like my mentor right now. Um, and then also a colleague, uh, named Lee Shea McDonough. She is a social worker. Uh-huh. Um, and she is also kind of on this self-development and business journey. Kind of, like we're on parallel paths. Yeah. Um, and so we rely on each other a lot right now. And so those are the two people that are like really important to me right now. That's awesome. I love that so much. That's really great. Thank you for sharing. You know, I know you mentioned earlier your podcast. Can you tell us about your podcast and where people can find you on like social media and different things? Yeah, yeah. So my podcast is called Empathy Rising. So it really goes with that idea that empathy and success don't have to be separate and that um, you can can rise both personally and professionally. This is a big theme, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that. (laughs) So, um, and it just teaches a lot of entrepreneur strategies to therapists, either wanting to take their practice to the next level or who are wanting to take steps beyond the couch, whether those are baby steps or big steps. Um, Those are the kinds of things I talk about. So Empathy Rising, um, it's on all the podcast platforms. Most people I know listen through through iTunes, but Stitcher and Spotify and all those too. So Okay. That is great. That's fantastic. You know, there are some therapists that listen to the podcast too, so I'm sure that they're going to check that out because that sounds really great. So, um, and then social media, do you use like Instagram? Um, I do. My main, uh, my main social media outlet is my Facebook group that is the Empathy Rising group. So we take everything from the podcast and just take it to a deeper level and kind of process some of the stuff, um, inside that group. Uh, and then, yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Riss Lawton. So instead of Marissa, it's just Riss. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm not as active on there. Sure, sure. And that's okay. It seems like everyone has like their um, their favorite yeah. form of social media for sure. But I think those are usually two of the most common ones are, are Facebook yeah. and Instagram. So, you know, whatever you like to use, I mean, no pressure to feel <laughs> like you have to provide one or the other, whatever works for you. So that is great. Is there any other thoughts that you have or any other questions that came up? Yeah, I just, I love to leave, and even anybody, even if they're not a therapist listening, just that there is a way to take those feelings, whether it's a whisper or whether it's like shouting at you, yeah. you know, those big ideas, it, it's okay to share them. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay to have them, and it's even more okay to share them. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't want anybody ever to feel like they have to hide. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Have you um heard of the, oh my gosh, what is it called? Unspoken Truth podcast, I think is what it's called. No. Okay. It is really good. <laughs> it's really. I might go look at it right yeah, now. I'm pretty sure it's what it's called. It's really, really good. And their perspective is like, yes, yeah, speaking about things essentially that are typically unspoken. And I love that. And I love what you said about that. So it just like triggered that in my mind. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. Um, But yeah, I think what's really great is, um, I love the shift that we're having as a society as a whole, just of not hiding anymore and of just mm-hmm. being who we are. Um, and I'm a firm believer that literally you can reach any goal that you have as long as you're willing to work for it. And so I love that you're encouraging people to like listen to, because I agree, like that intuition yeah. or those thoughts, those passions, like they're there for a reason. They absolutely yeah. are. So yeah. that's really great. Well, thank awesome. you so much for spending time with me today. This has been so fun. It has this been, been a great chat. It has been, absolutely. So, And it's nice to be able to, like I say, actually see you too. <laughs> so yeah. that's so great. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. 
For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode. Mm-hmm.